Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good. I keep saying good morning. I'm so used to the show, to doing it at, you know, 10 a.m., and we push the time back. So good afternoon, everybody. How are you all today? I'm hoping that all is well. I'm hoping that you had a wonderful week. It was very interesting for me. But, you know, I'll talk about that a little bit later. But this is Kimberly with Black Free Thinkers. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. Yet again, we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. So it's been a lot happening over the past week and so much to talk about. You know, I still want to talk about some things from last week, you know, to kind of bring it into perspective and give some more context to it. So, you know, like I said, it's been it's it's been a rather active, you know, past few weeks as far as um international news and even domestic news. It's important that, you know, we understand how the world works outside of our little sphere. It's that it's important that we understand and that we know that there is a world outside of the United States and how what happens there does play a major part and is pivotal with, you know, how our our standard of living with our lives and our economy. So this is why I encourage you guys to go out there and read, you know, different types of newspapers, periodicals, journals that aren't always U.S.-based. You know, again, you have Al Jazeera, BBC, Alternet, and, you know, a number of other places where you can get information. And the stories generally are written from, you know, a more unbiased opinion, if you will. And also, you know, we've talked about how much propaganda is in our news. And so it's just as important for you guys to realize that, oh, yeah, and it is the 4th of July weekend. Yeah, so a bunch of things going on. And so, yeah, get out there and have some fun. Enjoy yourself. And um, a number of things, like I said, I want to talk about this week. Um, yesterday made the one-year anniversary of when Von Zill was, you know, gunned down here in Chicago. So my thoughts are definitely going out to the family. And, you know, during this hard time, that's hard. That is real hard, but Von Zell is definitely still in our thoughts. You know, family, you know, they're in our thoughts. And, you know, again, you know, this has been hard. That's hard. That's hard. And so I just wanted to acknowledge, you know, the um, Banks family. And um, just let them know that we're thinking about them. We're definitely thinking about them and, you know, I couldn't even begin to imagine. And so, you know, it's just it's a lot happening. Um, one thing that I do want to talk about is I've had people inboxing me and tweeting at me about a mass shooting in South Carolina that the news allegedly didn't pick up or wasn't reporting on. That's not true, you know, so 
you know, please, you know, get the information for this, you know, because, you know, the, the little article that they're sending out is saying that a concealed carrier prevented a mass shooting at a South Carolina nightclub. It's, this is not true. So, again, if you're out there and you're tweeting that around, stop it. And I even put the link to the Snopes in the show notes. So you can go ahead and click on that and see. But, yeah, no, this is not a mass shooting. Um, Just go and look it up. And, you know, if you scroll to the bottom, it'll tell you about some other hoaxes that were out there, you know, things that people were saying were true when it wasn't true. So, you know, like I said, scroll to the bottom, just like with those that use Wikipedia, scroll to the bottom to the real information, the links to give you more information, more concrete and vital information to whatever it is you're researching. So, you know, what's been interesting is the past couple of days, you know, wake up, watch the news, all of this madness is happening, you know, just all over the place. And so, you know, there was an incident in um, Bangladesh. So that was on the news and people were talking about it. But, you know, I the coverage has been minimal for that, you know. And I wanted to know why. And we all know why, you know. And even in Mexico, you know, there was a massacre down there. And I'm going to talk about these different issues. But, I mean, you know, you have people being killed all over the place. Baghdad. You know, and so just to kind of catch you up with a few things, there was an alleged ISIS bombing in Baghdad. And so they say about 125 people were killed and over 150 people were injured. And there were two bombings there. So, uh, and this occurred on Saturday. And so, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at this and it was just a little blurb on the news. You know, and, you know, thinking about what happened in Bangladesh as well, you know, starting to wonder, and again, I'm being a bit facetious here, but trying to wonder why these stories aren't getting the same type of news coverage. Where are the prayers for Bangladesh? Where are the prayers for Istanbul? Where are the prayers, you know, for Baghdad? prayers and thoughts and well wishes, you know, why aren't people changing the color of their Facebook profile, you know, it's it's just, it's, it's interesting, you know, when you look at this. And again, in my opinion, a lot of this is because those are black and brown people. And then, you know, because it's just, that's the only thing that makes, that's the only difference between this and the bombings in the Western, you know, um, countries. That's the only difference. And so I'm looking at it, and, you know, they're not being treated equally. But what I will say, give you some details on what happened in Bangladesh, 
um, basically when they went in to, you know, kill folks, and they went inside of a restaurant. This happened in a restaurant. They started sorting the people, and they were telling the Bengali people to leave, you know, and that they were only interested in killing foreigners. So, you know, that's, you know, quite interesting. But kind of falls in line with some other things that we've heard. So, again, the name of the bakery was the Holy Artisan Bakery, and it was in Dhaka. So, you know, go and take a look. You know, they had about 20 hostages. Two police officers were killed. Um, You know, they have people blaming this on ISIS. And what's so interesting, you know, one of the talking heads on the news shows, they were talking about how Al-Qaeda and ISIS are now franchised, um, you know, terrorist groups. And, you know, I just find it interesting because now they're calling these, these, these particular groups franchised. And it's just absolutely amazing, you know, just looking at the response and the lack of empathy for a number of people. And, you know, and this is just outrageous. So, I mean, if I were you, I would go and check it out, take a look around, see what's happening, because this does have an effect on us. You know, you may not think it does, but it really does. So, again, go out, take a look around, go and see what happened in Istanbul. You know, if you're not familiar with Istanbul, what happened was, you know, there was a bombing at the airport. So, basically, you had three men who were bombers, and they they basically went into the airport, but they were only on the outer perimeter. And so they had the, you know, the vest. And they blew themselves. And what was so interesting about this particular incident here in Istanbul is, again, I have not seen any prayers for Turkey. You know, I've seen a few, but I'm talking about not to the same extent that we saw for Paris and other places. And basically, you know, I'm looking at all of this, and what it's saying to me is Western lives only matter. And so I'm sure I'm more than positive that the people in these other countries are seeing this. And, you know, it seems as though the only societies that hold value, you know, are Western society. You know, if anything happens in the Middle East, Africa, Pakistan, or whatever, they're judged as being unstable and perpetually, you know, in conflict. And, you know, one of the first things they said, you know, when that bombing happened at the airport in Istanbul, the first thing they jumped on them about was their security. But that was not the case for what happened in Brussels and what happened in Paris. And so I just want you guys to pay attention and to take a look to see what's happening here. Because, you know, when they start making these types of filters or, you know, um, basically qualifying, you know, their, their reporting on these issues, when you look at it through those particular filters, 
is basically they're telling you that violence and death are understandable in certain areas and certain parts of society and should be considered a normal part of life. And that's not only in the Middle East and Africa and Pakistan, but, I mean, also here in the United States and other places where you have communities of color that sit under the threat of, you know, state violence and, you know, even with the other types of senseless violence happening in these communities, basically we've been desensitized. And this has been done on purpose. And what's happening is they're trying to make it seem as though this is a normal part of life. And this is something that we definitely need to start pushing back on. And we shouldn't see it through those lenses. We shouldn't see it through those particular filters. And so this is one of the reasons why I tell you guys to go out, do some research, figure it out, see what's happening. You know, and again, you know, there are some other you know, shootings and bombings that have happened and virtually no news coverage here. And so that's why it's important for you guys, again, to utilize your critical thinking skills in every area of your lives. Question everything. Challenge, critique it. You know, if people think they are beyond critique and challenging, you know, there is something wrong. And so it's, it's, it's been really interesting. But, yeah, go out and, you know, there are some studies that are out that can help you better understand that particular phenomena. Um, and it's just it's unfair, you know, because there are people whose lives, you know, they've lost their lives. In Istanbul, there were 41 people dead and 239 people were injured. You know, and what was happening was nobody, I didn't see it trending, you know. <laughs> it's, I, I don't understand. These lives matter too. So it's, it's just it's important for us to understand what's happening and put information like this out there so that you can read it and see it for yourselves. You know, and also with, you know, these different types of social media, that we use, basically, you know, you need to understand that those have algorithms, and those algorithms are used to determine what you see in your news feed. So sometimes you have to go searching for things. But, you know, apparently or reportedly, they rounded up about 20 people for the attack in Istanbul. So, you know, they're rounding people up trying to things, you know, put the pieces of the puzzle together to figure out what's happening. And so, yeah, they pulled about 20 Islamic State militants. And what's interesting is the majority of them were foreigners. So go and read up and see what happened and, you know, again, extend your condolences to them. I know I do. I send my condolences to Istanbul, Bangladesh, Baghdad, and anywhere else. You know, there were some in Africa. You know, definitely want to send my condolences to them because this should not be a way of life. We should not accept, you know, these types of situations. And so I just think it's important. 
you know, that we talk about it at least a little bit and acknowledge what's happening because, again, you have some of these, you know, different countries that are dealing with these issues. And, again, people are getting angry. People are protesting, you know, and in Baghdad they had groups of people basically going after, you know, the politicians, you know, because um, the prime minister in Baghdad, Al, man, I'm going to kill that name. So the prime minister of Iraq, basically when he got there, you know, some of these people, they went after him. You know, they attacked his car, his vehicle. They were throwing rocks and bottles and they were angry because they felt like they weren't safe. And they had been told that, you know, the government would safeguard them from these types of attacks. And that didn't happen. And so, again, you know, you need to pay attention. Pay attention. If you don't think that this can happen here, you're fooling yourself. It's just it's extremely important for you guys to understand your surroundings, pay attention, and see what's going on. And see what's going on. And, again, you know, for those that are praying, don't forget to pray for these people too. For those that are, you know, showing solidarity, Okay, maybe you can change the colors on your profile for that. Whatever you're doing, whatever it takes, you know, for you to contribute what you feel you want and need to contribute to, you know, assure people that, you know, basically that you have empathy for what they're dealing with. And so, you know, I just wanted to touch on that briefly. And also I talked about Mexico. And so what's happening in Mexico is that they're having a rebellion And so it's really interesting because they're saying that they will not pardon or forget, you know, what the police did. So basically, you know, you have people in Mexico that have been protesting because the government there is trying to weaken the unions, and they were out there peacefully protesting. And then the church bells rang, and from my understanding, you know, that was a warning that, you know, the police were coming. And the police started shooting at them. You know, they had rubber bullets and just a number of other things, but then it turned to live ammunition. And so, again, you know, this is happening all around the globe. And what's so interesting about the news is that they don't want to report these types of things because they fear they fear that it would create copycats. And you have to go back and remember what happened with Ferguson and Baltimore and a number of other places. It was a media blackout about that. And when the media started reporting on it, you know, that's when basically people started sending in the cavalry, if you will, to, you know, protest alongside these people, to support them and to let them know. And, again, you know, I've talked about Al and Jesse and other ones that went out there and told these people to go home, you know, and that nothing could be accomplished 
you know, from protesting. But, yeah, go and take a look. You know, um, I'll probably post this a little later, but, yeah, this particular rebellion happening in Mexico seems to be getting bigger and bigger. And, you know, (laughs) if they had, I don't even know where to begin to say what the problem is. We already know what the problem is, you know, and, and I just get tired of talking about the white supremacy and the racism sometimes, but we can't not discuss it. We can't not talk about it. But, you know, again, what's happening down there, just like when I was telling you all about the club in Mexico that had a mass shooting as well. So, you know, a lot of this is not being reported. And it's interesting because, the you know, the union that's, trying, you know, that the government is trying to kind of squash a lot of their influence and power, it's a teacher's union. So the teachers are asking for, you know, fair compensation to educate the children. And so, again, go and look up, um, you know, because basically what they're saying is they don't have guns. They're not using guns. And the only weapons that they have are their ideas. And what's so interesting is, like, there is a lot of parallel here with some of what we're seeing in other places, that people just want to be heard. They want to be treated fairly. And you have these authoritarian types that feel that it is their duty to crush any type of protest or anything that threatens you know, white supremacy. So it is what it is, and you go on and you take some, you know, take some notes, look it up. It's a lot to learn. It's a lot that's happening. And so I just thought it was important that, you know, we definitely bring that up and, you know, acknowledge what's happening because they're, you know, squashing this type of news on purpose. And so, like I said, there's a lot going around and a lot happening. And I talk a lot about, you know, these different places because I think it's important. It's extremely important. This, You know, some of the same things are happening here. And one of the things that I definitely want you all to pay attention to is language. And I know I talk about that all the time, and, you know, I know I talk about my language and how I turn, how I change some things. Some things I'm not changing, but other things, yes. However, pay attention to your local news, especially for those of you that are living in black and brown communities, and especially if those black and brown communities, you know, are dealing with, you know, a lot of crime, as well as state violence, because they are changing the language. And I remember talking with you all on a number of occasions about how they are categorizing peaceful protesters. They're categorizing them as domestic terrorists, and they're being charged as such. Jasmine Abdullah in California was charged with lynching, charged and convicted of lynching. And for those of you 
you know, that are politically astute, you know and you understand that what happens and starts in California spreads across the rest of the country. And that is why it is very important for you all to familiarize yourself with what happened to Jasmine Abdullah. Because whether you're aware of it or not, a lot of cities and states are passing legislation, you know, passing laws and ordinances that basically is giving the police the authority to arrest peaceful protesters and have them charged with domestic terrorism and or lynching and or whatever charge that, you know, they are putting, you know, into place. And these will be considered felonies just for peacefully protesting. And so I know I've talked about it, you know, a number of times, especially when I started talking about um, how they, how all of this was put together, together and how it came out of the Patriot Act and how they were using this against Occupy Wall Street. And one day maybe we'll do a show on Occupy Wall Street and how and where it fell short. But, again, um, it's just as important because, to, you know, in Chicago, the police chief or the superintendent, Eddie Johnson, he had a news conference, and he was discussing, you know, the policing you know, strategy that they're having for this 4th of July weekend. And so what was so interesting about it was I was sitting there watching and listening, really only halfway listening, until I heard him call, you know, some of the young people out here, you know, he was talking about repeat offenders. You know, we're used to that, used to hearing those types of things. But when he turned around and called them terrorists, that caught my attention. And it should have caught your attention as well. They are now categorizing, you know, and calling these young folks terrorists, domestic terrorists. And he was talking about how they terrorize the communities and, I mean, just a number of different things. Now, please understand that I'm not condoning, you know, crime. I'm not condoning the mass shootings, I'm not condoning any of that. What I'm talking about right now is the language and the changing of the language. And what I'm saying is you need to pay attention, not only to the language, but to the ordinances and laws that are being passed. We need for you guys to be a lot more vigilant, not a little bit, but a lot more vigilant. And because, you know, you may catch some things that other people do not catch, and you bring it all together, we're going to have to work collectively on this. But it's important, it's important that you guys, you know, listen. And so when he was, you know, calling, you know, repeat offenders, terrorists, you know, he was talking about how he was sick and tired of it. And... We're sick and tired of them, too. But, you know, what they're failing to do is address the majority of the problem. But before I go into that, it's funny how they want to categorize peaceful protesters, you know, as domestic terrorists. But the people who, 
were holding weapons out and aiming it at them at the Bundy Ranch in Oregon, they're not considered terrorists. Why not? They took an entire building owned by the government. And that's not terrorism. They pulled guns out on police officers and FBI agents that went to the Bundy Ranch to talk to them. But that's not terrorism. But holding a sign up saying, I am a man, I am a woman, Black Lives Matter, that makes you a terrorist. And one of the reasons why I talk about this a lot is because you have a lot of people out here that are calling themselves activists, and that's fine. If you're an activist, you're an organizer, you're a protester, however you identify yourself. I talk about these things so that you all will understand the gravity of the situation and understand what you're walking into and how the system is being basically revamped to squash any type of dissent, to squash any type of challenge or critique. And so, again, I want you all to pay attention. Go and look at what's happening. And then you have people out here that want to say that, you know, these grassroots movements, you know, are only concerned with, you know, state violence. And that's not true. You know, they focus also on senseless violence. And so, again, you know, we have to change the narrative. We have to get control of the language. You have to know how to identify it. Because you have these dog whistles, you have these triggers, and when they say these things, there's a reason for it. So, you know, there are no, not too many of them are using the word thug anymore. Because, again, thug is pretty much the equivalent to nigger. And so, you know, now they're switching the language up again. I'm just telling you guys to pay attention and make note of it and share it because it's important. So, you know, because we can't read everything. We can't be everywhere. But, yeah, you know, the language is changing and, you know, they're rolling out you know, the Blue Lives Matter um, agenda, and part of that is, again, to change ordinances and laws to charge the protesters, you know, with a number of different, you know, violations. And so, yeah, it's important. And go out there and read and, you know, find out what's going on because, it does affect you. It really does. And so, like I said, you know, pay attention to what's happening in other countries because, you know, I mean, just look at it. Look at the difference between Brussels and Instable in the coverage. So, you know, when they were talking about, you know, Belgian security and intelligence, that came after it put, you know, after they embraced the country. With Istanbul, they immediately talked about the security. There was no embracing of them initially, none of that. You all need to pay attention because we're dealing with the same thing here, you know, and so you have this, 
you know, fear-mongering happening over there and over here as well. And, you know, again, I've said it before, and I'll say it again, that fear is an industry, just like poverty is an industry. So it's important that you understand, you know, what's going on and how the media plays a big role in this. Because, again, you know, a lot of these media outlets are owned by really four people. So you need to pay attention to them. One got married over the weekend, married Jerry Hall. So understand the racial bias that's happening and, you know, and I'm just amazed at, you know, how much this is being glossed over. And so this is why I'm talking about this, so that it will encourage you to go out and do some research. And so basically it's interesting because, you know, with with these types of responses and behaviors, you know, again, pointing at, you know, black and brown people in, in, in the case of these bombings and massacres, well, you know, these bombings, um, they're painting it as a Muslim-only problem. And that's not true. And, again, black and brown people are called terrorists. White people are called lone wolves, mentally disturbed, uh, a number of different things. But they're not called domestic terrorists. They're not called white terrorists. And, you know, it's so funny because when people of any other race or ethnicity or nationality you know, are terrorized, you know, they're called terrorists, you know, if it's a black and brown or red person doing it. But, you know, they're terrorists, but when that happens, the violence comes to our community, they don't call it terrorism. Only time it's called terrorism is if it scares white people. And so it's just, it's interesting, you know, but when white people terrorize other folks, it's not seen as terrorism. And, you know, and then we are, you know, asked to show some type of empathy and sympathy for them. And so you got these double standards all over the place. And so what's happening throughout Europe is, again, Muslims are being scapegoated. As a matter of fact, you may want to go and look up to see they are now in Europe they're now having a problem with Muslims using their swimming pools. Now, for those of you in America, we've had many issues, black and brown people have, in regards to using public swimming pools. And, you know, a few years back, they kicked some black people out of the swimming pool. And, you know, Tyler Perry, people can say what they want about him. And I get it. Trust me, I get it. You know, but he went and, you know, he treated those children well because that was ridiculous. But, I mean, again, a lot of this is happening over in Europe. I want you all to understand what's happening with the upheaval and the uproars over there, and and especially in light of Brexit. You know, don't sleep on that. And like I said, you know, it's, it's not really going to affect us 
It is, but not in the way that many people think, at least not immediately anyway, but yet it is affecting the market. If you have investments, yeah, you lost some money this week, but be patient. It'll make its way back up. And so, you know, the people that are going to suffer the most under this, again, are bankers and these very, very wealthy people, you know, that 2% because they're losing money. I mean, the first day, you know, $1.5 trillion was lost on the market. So it's hemorrhaging money. But don't be fooled. Just because, you know, $1.5 million was lost, that means $1.5 million was found somewhere else. And this is why it's important for you all to understand how hedge funds work and bull and bear markets and how you can make money even when the stock market falls. So, you know, again, if you're subtracting it from one side, it's only being added to the other side of the equation or the equal sign. Understand that. And so, (laughs) you know, that's how it goes. You know, where someone loses money, someone makes money. It does not evaporate into thin air. So please know that. And so, yeah, go out, do some reading, and understand, you know, the victimization. And it's just, it's absolutely amazing, you know, how they're excluding, you know, a number of people. And especially with this Brexit thing, you know, this is nothing but white supremacy in action. This is a modern-day example of it. And, you know, what's funny is you have all these people running around panicking because of Brexit. And so, you know, I think there is another way that we can look at this. And, you know, I'm not panicking for anything because, you know, I don't have a dog in that particular fight. But I do, but I don't. But, again, you got to look at it for what it is. Because it was the older people in Britain that wanted to leave the European Union. The young people wanted to stay. And so now, and from my understanding, from what I read, you know, it was a very, very close race. And so I'm just looking at it and seeing these people out here grieving. And, I mean, I get it. I understand. And this is why I'm like, you go and you look it up. See it for yourself. Pay attention. Because, you know, over that Brexit you know, um, being passed. Now, it doesn't have to go all the way through. Parliament still has to approve it. You know, and what was so interesting about it is the Prime Minister Cameron, who is resigning, you know, he'll be out of office in October, um, he only put it up for a vote because he thought that, you know, that the populace would say no and vote it down and stay in the EU. That's not what happened. And so, you know, (laughs) they called his bluff, and he lost. You know, and so it's just, it's really interesting because I want you all to know and understand that with this white supremacist nationalist movement, you know, this is happening around the globe, not just in America with Donald Trump and his White Lives Matter movement, What you saw 
in Great Britain was the manifestation of what is happening here and what's going to happen if we allow it to. And so last week I was talking about Donald Trump bringing back some of the plays from that particular playbook in Great Britain, bringing it back here in his effort to, you know, basically stoke the fires of racism, sexism, xenophobia, etc. in this country. And he's already started doing it. And so, you know, I'm sitting back and I'm watching it, and it's just crazy. Because a lot of people, you know, I'm more than positive that you all have seen these news clips with reporters or comedians or whomever talking to the general public in America and, you know, asking some of the most ridiculous questions and getting some even more ridiculous responses. And in a lot of cases, it's ignorance. And what happens is that ignorance creates fear. And then that fear creates hatred. And out of that hatred comes violence. You know, and that's a breeding ground, you know, for white supremacy. Let's just call it for what it is. That is what is happening here in America as well as around the globe. And so, you know, that's the beautiful thing about the technology is that we're able to share this and we're able to get the information and we're able to watch the videos and the live feeds, you know, firsthand and see it for ourselves. Although you have people out here that will tell you not to believe your lying eyes, you know, especially with the case with Eric Garner in New York, we saw him choke, we saw that white policeman choke that black man out. And then they still said it was justified and and that we shouldn't believe it. It was just, it's crazy. But what I want you all to understand is that it's not just here. This is happening around the globe. And just like, you know, when we had, you know, the protests in Ferguson, you had people in other countries protesting and marching with and for us. And, you know, one of the more interesting parts is, you know, when the protesters here reached out to the Palestinians, you know, how many of the Palestinians thought that we had forgotten about them, that we didn't care. And it's not just there, it's a number of places, but it's important. And, you know, there have been more incidents of violence you know, in Great Britain as well as the United States and other places, there was a young woman on the train in Great Britain, and there were some white people who were telling her she needed to pack her bags and they're shipping them out and basically forced her off the train. And what they didn't understand or realize is that she was born in Great Britain And, you know, again, she was inconvenient. She had to wait an hour for the next train. And what they started doing was wearing safety pins to signal each other that they understand. And, you know, that's great. If that gives them a sense of solidarity, wonderful. But we're going to start seeing more and more of these incidents and Again, it's not going to end well. And so, 
you know, just looking at all of this, this is enough to make someone, you know, hyperventilate. But again, you know, what's happening here and this big push for Trump and, you know, making America great again and taking their country back again, this is nothing new. What was interesting was one of the Tea Party Express leaders, Karen, I forget her last name, but she was on MSNBC today. And you can tell they've polished her up because when she first came out as the leader of the Tea Party Express, she was really rough around the edges. So they've kind of polished her out a little bit. But, you know, she was, you know, one of the talking heads. And, of course, she agreed with Brexit. Of course, she endorsed Donald Trump. And what I want you all to understand is that, you know, these white nationalists or white supremacists, you know, these are your coworkers. Hell, it could be your manager. It could be the guy that owns your company, upper management, you know, these people that are gentrifying black and brown communities, people that are making laws, you know, police officers, you know, <laughs> making, you know, you know, arresting people, making comments, you know, just, wow. I just want you to understand, you know, and in some cases, you know, with, with these people being in positions of power or authority, you know, they can force you into making some rather unfortunate decisions, especially on how to respond, you know, because, you know, most people just want to slap the crap out of them, you know, but you can't really do that because then you'll be going to the clink. So, again, you have to think about what's happening. And, yes, you know, people are allowed to say whatever. That's their First Amendment right. But, you know, again, consequences. Consequences. So, yeah, you know, this is not what happened in the past. This is happening now. And it's going to get worse. And it doesn't matter whether, you know, Trump wins or loses. You know, you have these white supremacists that feel emboldened, feel empowered. They now feel that, you know, that political correctness is, is, is now, you know, being tossed to the side. And they can say whatever they want. They can do whatever they want. And this is why I talk about history and tell people to come back and read it. Because if you go back and you look at the great migration of, you know, um, black and brown people, particularly black people, from the south to the north, it was not only due to, you know, people looking for employment, looking for jobs, you know, better wages, but also, you know, black and brown people were being mistreated. It was nothing for a white person to walk up to a black person and start beating on them or, you know, or hang them or, you know, just a number of different things. And it was nothing that they can do. It was no recourse. So go back and read it. Go and read the stories about if a black person was walking on a sidewalk and there were a few white people walking towards them, the black person had to step off the sidewalk into the street to let the white people pass. You know, and there's just a number of other things, you know, that were happening. Go back, read, and understand your history and understand what's happening because, you know, this 
is basically all because of white fear. And so I talked about that a little bit last week. I definitely want you guys to go out and look up white, you know, white fear, look up white rage, all of that. It's important for you to understand that. And, you know, one example I can give you is for the first time, babies of color are now the majority. And that brings about fear. So, again, you know, non-whites, people of color, will be the majority or the majority of the nation's children by 2020. And so the browning of America, you know, I remember reading about that in the early mid-'80s. I think I still have that Time magazine. I have to locate that. You know, I really need to go through all of my stuff because, you know, I have magazines and things from then that I kept because I found it interesting. You know, I was probably like 12, 13, 14, you know, but I knew it was important information. But, um, yeah, you need to pay attention, you know, pay attention and see what's happening. So, Again, ethnic minority babies are 50.2% of the population. And so the skills have tipped and people are having shit fits. And so, again, you know, we talked about what was happening in North Carolina and how schools were now being resegregated. Go and look this stuff up. We don't just make this shit up. You know, this is true. And we posted, or I used to post all of that. I kind of got tired of posting a lot of things, but I think it's, you know, we need to continue to educate one another, to learn from one another. But, yeah, you know, this is based on white fear. And one of the biggest fears, you know, is that they think that we're going to treat them the way that they treated us. They know they treat us like shit. They know it. And so, (laughs) you know, these are the things that we should have sit-ins about. These are the things that we should be talking about. But, again, like I said, it's not just in the United States. It's all over the globe. And, again, we need to start thinking more globally, paying attention to what's happening to black, brown, non-white people all over, you know, all over the globe. You know, we've got plenty of non-white Europeans, you know, so you need to understand, you know, that there are black and brown people that live everywhere. I mean, I, I remember posting some articles about black Iraqis, black Iranians. you got to remember that the Arabs played a major hand in the slave trade. And so you have these hidden populations. They're there. And what's happening in, in the United States is that, you know, they want black and brown people to remain hidden. And, you know, this is being done on purpose. And this is why they feel that they have to squash any type of protestation, any type of, 
you know, challenge, you know, or critique or uprising of any sort. And so, again, what happened in Britain is kind of like, you know, it's kind of like looking at a blueprint. And you have people like Donald Trump that are looking at those blueprints and implementing some of the same, you know, policies or implementing some of the same strategies, better words, strategies and tactics, and bringing them here. And so, you know, you have people here that, you know, are very doubtful that Donald Trump could win, especially because of the, you know, the the number of people of color who are voting. And again, like I said, you know, Donald Trump nor Hillary could win with a white-only vote. It's not enough white people to put them in office. But the problem is, you know, getting people of color to understand that we cannot sit on our hands for this particular election. And the thing is, is that I understand why people feel disenfranchised and disillusioned and all of these things, because I feel the same way. And there are many of us that want to sit home and be like, fuck it, we're screwed either way it goes. And I get it. I get it. You know, like I said, I'm having a hard time reconciling the fact that I may have to vote for someone that I don't want in office. You know, I don't like either of the candidates. And, you know, the libertarians really are a non-factor. So, and the Green Party, unfortunately, you know, they're a non-factor too. And I, I find that quite unfortunate. And we need to look at this two-party system we have. But, you know, again, you know, bigotry, <laughs> you know, is now back out in the open. Some places it never left, you know, from being overt. But, again, as being a part of a global society, we need to understand, pay attention to what's going on. And, you know, if we we allow this to happen, there's going to be a whole bunch of us saying we got to get out of this place because you got to remember whoever gets the presidency, they get to put in a – appoint people to the Supreme Court. And, of course, you know, it has to go through Congress. I mean, I get that. But if it's a Republican-held Congress and Donald Trump is elected, we're getting ready to go through some purity hell. And so, like I said, it's important that we pay attention to what's happening. And it's just it's crazy. It's crazy you know, what we're dealing with at the time. So, again, look and see, you know, what's happening, how it does impact you, and how, you know, it's it's going to impact the rest of us and, you know, what we're dealing with and what we're going through. But if you want to get a definition on domestic terrorism, Um, If you go to Section 802 of the U.S. Patriot Act, right, it talks about domestic terrorism and how it, you know, basically it redefined it. And so, you know, I'm going to post this article from the ACLU 
that kind of outlines, you know, what domestic terrorism is. And, you know, you have people that are misinterpreting this, which is one of the reasons why, you know, peaceful protesters are being charged with domestic terrorism. But, again, you know, a lot of this stuff is subjective in nature, but applied arbitrarily. And so, you know, you want to charge black and brown and red protesters as domestic terrorists, but white folks with guns pointed at you and loaded. They're not domestic terrorists. Funny how that works. So, again, you know, I just wanted to bring that out and also, you know, remind people, COINTELPRO still is in action. You know, and the thing is, is that, you know, what they're doing now is trying to change the narrative about these protests and, you know, the activists that are out here. And they're, you know, paralleling them with the Black Panther Party and basically saying that, you know, it's the same ideology, it's the same language, it's just a different name, right? That's what they're saying. And I want you all to really think closely about what happened to the Black Panthers. You know, how many of them were killed, executed, assassinated, however you want to categorize it. Many of them were put in jail, are still in jail. 40, 50 years later, they're still in jail. And so, you know, there's a lot of risk to this type of work. And it's a thankless job. And, you know, these people are putting their lives, their livelihoods, all of that on the line. And I'm pretty sure some of you are sitting back and being cynical and saying, well, no one asked you to do that. So my question to them would be, well, are you happy with the condition that you're in? Don't you think that there is a better way? Shouldn't the playing field be fair and balanced? And so, you know, these are things that we definitely need to think about and we need to question. But, yeah, you know, um, these Black Lives Matter activists, you know, hell yeah. Their lives, they're being surveilled. They're being monitored. All kind of shit is going on that you all don't even know about and that you haven't heard about, you know. And it's not just the BLM people. You know, you have a number of different grassroots and community um, um, groups and movements happening in this country. And so, you know, it's, it's important. Extremely important that you guys, you know, pay attention and understand, you know, how all of this is coming about and how it plays an impact on your lives. But, yeah, you know, they're pulling out the Patriot Act and some of the criteria to basically, you know, anybody, even if you're not a part of any of these movements, You know, even if you just protest because, you know, your cousin got, you know, 
was beaten up by the police, which is a civil rights matter. But then you can you, know, you accompany your cousin to the court because you were there and you all were doing nothing, and the police started harassing you. And even if you're you know you're out there and you're like, no, that was wrong, and they can arrest you. And we know they pin charges on people. We know this happens. And so, again, you got to pay attention. Pay attention. You don't even have to be a part of any particular movement, you know, but if you are a part of a movement and that movement is organized or starting to organize, it is considered dangerous. It is considered a threat. And it is considered something to be feared. So, you know, you need to know what you're getting into. You need to understand and know what people are sacrificing, what they're dealing with. You need to understand and pay attention to the language, pay attention to the tone, pay attention to it. It's ammunition, trust me, you know. And, you know, you have other people basically labeling these activists. And I'm just talking about all the activists that are out here that are fighting for social justice, you know, wealth parity, and a number of other things. You know, they're being labeled as trivial and basically non-factors and basically being told that they should be ignored, you know, and other folks are ignoring them. I'm telling you guys. It's only getting ready to get worse. And what's so interesting is, again, you know, when they dismiss these activists and protesters and organizers, what they're really doing is dismissing the black community. And they're dismissing, you know, black communities' complaints. They're dismissing all of that. Why? Because to them your life does not matter. You get what they give you and you be happy with it. That is what they are saying. And you can see this in a number of movements, you know, even with some of the movements within movements, you know, because what's so funny, and when I say funny, I really do mean ha-ha, is that, you know, in one particular specific movement, the secular one, I'll just take the guesswork out of it, all right? And, yeah, we'll go ahead and add the LGBTQ movement and the feminist movement to that and how, you know, people of color are being dismissed, communities. Their complaints are being dismissed and ignored. And, like I say, the chickens will come home to roost some of the very same situations and people that we complained about and, and charged with racism, sexism, homophobia, etc. They're back at it. And what's so funny is that you had some people of color, namely a select group of black people, who were defending some of these people that are now just being even more over the top with their racism and their sexism and xenophobia. You know, they were defending them a few years ago when we were charging them with, you know, this particular type of whatever type of xenophobia or racism or sexism. And so, but now these same people 
want to complain about the same behavior that was displayed a few years ago. You know, and the behavior now is actually a little bit more ramped up. You want to know why? Because you all excused it. You excused it. You ignored it. You told people, oh, those are just words. They don't matter. You know, people can say whatever is when they take action is when you should be upset. What you got to say about it now? Why are you mad now? I've been reading these blogs for the past, you know, couple of weeks. That's why I need the oxygen mask because, hell, I can't stop laughing. Because we told you so. And I'm not going to say anything about it. I'll let you all fight that battle. Why? Because you wanted to claim that I was wrong. I was toxic. I was negative. We're talking about it and bringing it out to the open. Mm-hmm. So how did your secret, you know, type of tribunal work? Did you give them a phone call? Did you send them a message? What about an email? Did any of that work? Nope. And so this is why I'm laughing at it. You know, got my wet naps to wash my hands because I'm lifting clean hands. And it's just really interesting when you start seeing them turn on each other and this internal carnage is taking place and it's just like, you know, watching a bunch of piranhas fight for a piece of hamburger. It's amazing. You know, and again, this has been around. We, You know, we've talked about white nationalism as well as black nationalism in a number of these communities. What we said then still applies now, more so. Why? Because, again, yet again, they've become more emboldened and more empowered, not only because of Donald Trump's success, but because you excused it. You managed them. You protected them like a superwoman or superman. And now look what they're doing. And I believe the only reason why you're showing or having any type of protestation in regards to, you know, what's happening now is because somebody told you no when you didn't think they should tell you no. Some kind of way your benefits or incentives were cut down or cut out, and now you're mad about that. So now you want to talk about the ills of the community. Because at first it was okay when you thought you were going to benefit from being silent or mamming these people. Not so much. And so, you know, we're seeing this and we're laughing. That's where the oxygen mask comes in. And sitting back, toasting up our sweet tea, you know, watching this like it's a sport, like watching tennis. You look to your left. You look to your right, and you watch them beat each other up, and you watch them eat each other alive. And dare I say it? Yes, I dare. You got exactly what you deserved. And so now we're sitting back and watching the people who were once, 
heralding and uplifting these particular people, now you want to critique them? Now you got a problem? But it was okay when we had a problem. Well, it wasn't even so much about us having a problem. It was about you benefiting. Whoops. So, yeah, it's been funny, been absolutely hilarious. Keep it going. I ain't got shit to lose. So this is just, like I said, it's the funniest thing, seeing all of this, but, um, you know, and I'm talking about those specific communities. And so, again, you know, even with those specific communities, there's nothing but a mirror image to society as a whole. So the racism, the sexism, the homophobia, transphobia, misogyny, et cetera, what you see in these smaller communities, the same thing you see in, you know, society as a whole. It's just a mirror image of it. And for some of the people in these communities to say, well, we don't have those problems over here, yes, the hell you do. And especially if you're looking at it from a place of white privilege and you're fighting like hell to keep white supremacy. And let me just go on and clue some of you all into some of this shit. Some of the fighting, the infighting that you all see here, and again, you know, is they're pointing at the social justice warriors, they're pointing at the feminists and all that. All it is is that they want to maintain white male authority, white male dominance, white male control. And we're sitting here watching this tennis match, and it's like it's it's absolutely amazing. Solutions to quite a bit of this is out there. But you're too busy running into that brick wall trying to make people accept you and 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 make them you know you know include you in their shit. It's their shit. And so I'm just laughing because, again, you know, where the complaints from these different communities are dismissed, laughed at, ignored, this is what we're dealing with in society as a whole, which is why you see them coming after a number of these grassroots and community movements. So we're not seeing anything new. The same shit was happening in the 50s and the 60s. The same things were happening in the 1800s, early 1900s. This is not new. And so this is why I keep saying that the strategies and the tactics and the techniques have to change. But we also have to give people the tools that they need and the information that they need to empower themselves. And so this is not just you know, something that has a very simple solution to it. No, this is a very, very, very complex matter. And, you know, if we blow it off as something trivial or minor, then, you know, what we're doing is we're thumb, giving a thumbs up, you know, to our demise in a lot of ways. And so, and when I say that, I'm not talking about, you know, you know, as far as people coming out to kill everyone, even though there will be more mass shootings. It's just not reported in the news. You know, it's, 
it's amazing. I think I have to find that article and see if they've updated on mass shootings that have happened in the United States itself. You know, even since, you know, what happened in Orlando. And so, again, do some research, understand what's happening, understand how, you know, this is contrived. This has been put in place. There's a reason that we have poverty. There is a reason why you have that anti-blackness, you know, sentiment around the world, and particularly in the United States. And it's so interesting to me because in great, with Great Britain as well as the United States, the wealth of these countries were built on the backs of black and brown people. That is where the wealth came from. This is what sustains and perpetuates the wealth that these people enjoy. And many of them, you know, inherited, you know, their fortunes or their wealth from relatives that prospered from the slave trade. You know, they prospered from criminality. And so you need to pay attention. You need to pay attention. And, you know, one of the reasons why I have such a problem with Hillary Clinton is because she's not going to do anything in regards to changing the crime bill that enslaved or, you know, incarcerated more and more black and brown and red people. You know, now she's going to try to put together a new crime bill, which I doubt. You know, I have not had a chance to sit down to see exactly everything that they put into this DNC platform. But what I need for you all to understand is that even if they put that in the platform, that does not mean this is going to be a part of her playbook. Understand that. Understand it and know it. And so, again, um, you know, the just talking about, you know, the different things that are happening. And, you know, you got people that say COINTELPRO was shut down. Uh-huh. And you can believe that if you want to, you know, but Homeland Security definitely is monitoring, you know, these movements. So don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself. You know, and even for those that are going out to these different festivals, and you know, they are amongst you. So, you know, don't don't fool yourself. I just want you to walk into these things, you know, knowing what's in front of you, knowing what's behind you, knowing what's around you, because you know we're living in a real dark time. And you need to know, you know, what's going on. So, you know, again, I just thought that was important. I know I, you know, talked about that a great deal, but, you know, I just don't want people getting hurt, you know. And, you know, again, they're using, you know, a lot of these words as weapons. So, or anyway, you know, I really want to get into that, but that's not um, what I came to talk about today. But you need to pay attention to the language. You need to pay attention to the language. And for those of you who are students of history, 
these movements that have been taking place in our communities for centuries, right? You need to go back and look up these particular movements and understand that there is a common thread, a kindred thread throughout all of these movements. These movements generally are started because of police brutality and police mistreatment of black and brown people. That is the common thread. So go look it up. Read. Understand. And for those that want to delve even deeper into it, understand what the Second Amendment is, why it came about, who it was for, who it was meant to entrap, you know, you got to look up militias, all of that. And we do have black militias, students of history. Go look that up, too. So, again, huh, you know, last week we were talking a little bit about due process. You know, it's important for you all to understand this. So, you know, I'm going to move on, you know, even though it's tied in to this. Um, for those of you that were not familiar with the speech that Jesse Williams gave at the DET Awards, I'm going to post the link that has the full transcript of it. You know, and I know we've talked about white people thinking that black people were magical, right? And so I know a couple of times I called myself your magical negress. And so, you know, we tease, you know, about these things. But one of the quotes from Jesse Williams that, you know, kind of stuck with a lot of us, he said, just because we're magic doesn't mean we're not real. And if you go back and you look to statements that white people made about, you know, um, Rodney King and even with Trayvon and just a number of things, call us Tasmanian devil, the Incredible Hulk, all of these things, you know, and we're human beings. And what's so interesting is, again, many of them see us as animals. They see us as subhuman. But if we're subhuman, how are we these magical beings as well? But anyway, moving forward, go and look at his speech. You know, the one that he delivered was powerful. And what people don't seem to understand is that he's putting his life, his career on the line. And it's so funny because, you know, they put a picture, I guess they were putting together a story for Ebony Magazine, but it showed Harry Belafonte passing the torch to Jesse Williams. And I forgot the other person's name. It's a young woman. I apologize. I'll look for it now because I definitely don't want to leave, you know, that important figure out of the equation. But, you know, he was, you know, passing on the baton. And so, um, yeah, you know, just go and read the speech. And, of course, you know, you're going to have people who disagree with it, and that's fine, too, you know, but, you know, what he spoke was the truth. It was the truth. And so... Yeah, you may not like it. You know, reality may be like a slap in the damn face. But it is the truth. 
And while you may not see it as the truth because you don't live our reality, you know, you got to understand, you know, we can be in the same room and and have somebody give a talk and hear two very different speeches, you know, and we've talked about it. And it's just, um, it's amazing. It's amazing, you know, that we're still dealing with this shit. And until, like I said, we make some permanent changes, it's nothing that's going to change. You know, so Zendaya Coleman was the other person. So I wanted to make sure that Zendaya Coleman got, you know, the recognition that she deserves. So, you know, go and do some research on her. But those are the three people that were part of the torch passing um, picture for Ebony Magazine. So, you know, we're proud of them. But, again, going back to what I was saying, go and read the transcripts. He said some very, very real things there. And, you know, one of the other quotes is, there has been no war that we have not fought and died on the front lines of. There has been no job we haven't done. There is no tax they haven't levied against us. And that's true. You know, and what you all need to understand is, you know, you know what he says here. Now, the thing is, though, all of us in here getting money, that alone isn't going to stop this, you know. And all right, now dedicating our lives, dedicating our lives to getting money, just to give it right back for someone's brand on our body when we spent centuries praying with brands on our bodies, and now we pray to get paid for brands on our bodies. You know, a lot of truth to what he said, you know, and you know, right here, and let's get a couple of things straight, just a little side note, the burden of the brutalized is not to comfort the bystander. That's not our job. All right, stop with all of that. If you have a critique for the resistance, for our resistance, then you better have an established record of critique of our oppression. If you have no interest, if you have no interest in equal rights for black people, then do not make suggestions to those who do. Sit down. And so, you know, again, you know, powerful. We've been floating this country on credit for centuries, yo, and we're done watching and waiting while this invention called whiteness uses and abuses us, burying black people out of sight and out of mind while extracting our culture, our dollars, our entertainment like oil, black gold, ghettoizing and demeaning our creations, then stealing them, gentrifying our genius, and then trying us on like costumes before discarding our bodies like rinds of strange fruit. The thing is, though, the thing is that just because we're magic doesn't mean we're not real. And that is truth. There's a lot of truth to that. And this is what we've been talking about, you know, and especially when we talk about um, cultural appropriation. And, you know, I was going to talk about Whoopi and that panel on The View 
but I don't know if I have the strength to do it because, you know, everybody knows I'm crazy about Whoopi. I don't agree with a lot of her politics. And, you know, there was a video of a young woman, and Raina sent it to me, and the young woman was going off on Whoopi. And her argument definitely was justified, and she was correct. You know, and the thing is, is that black people cannot, and, you know, any person of color, we cannot, you know, appropriate white culture. No, we can't appropriate that. What we can do is assimilate, but there is a difference between the two. They've been trying to force us to assimilate from the very beginning. One of the most common things that I hear is, why can't you just be like us? Why can't you just, you know, do what we tell you to do? Why can't you just see things the way that we see it? Why are you so angry? Why are you so upset? Why do you all have to be so different? Why do you refuse to conform? And every day, you know, whether you're watching television, walking down the street or what have you, you know, there is always something there that tries to force us to assimilate into white culture. And, again, you know, what's, what's so really interesting about a lot of this, and especially some of the infighting that I'm watching in, you know, the communities that I named earlier, is that, you know, watching them, you know, basically kill each other off, um, Man, let me tell you, you know, I talk about those, you know, the hierarchies of whiteness, and it's very true. Just pay attention to what's happening. That's that's what you're dealing with now. You know, everybody wants to be on top, you know, and I'm just looking at it. You know, you got places like England, Great Britain, leaving the EU, but in Africa, let's let's talk about what's happening in Africa. They they started an all Africa passport. Now I think that's phenomenal. You know, you can travel all over the you know, all over that continent. You got a passport to do that now. And that happened on June thirteenth. So hey, this is fantastic. And I, I'm hoping that you all understand that, you know, Africa's standing in the world is increasing. And, you know, what's so interesting is that I had to take an Uber um, yesterday. And the driver was African. She was from Ethiopia. And so we had that conversation, and she was talking about she doesn't understand why blacks in America won't go get two, three jobs, take care of their families, why won't they go work at McDonald's, and all of these things, and we went back and forth. And so while, you know, we were driving, and I said, well, how many McDonald's and Burger Kings and Taco Bells have you counted since we left, you know, where I was? And she was like, one. And I said, exactly. So there was one fast food restaurant. It was a Burger King. And how many blocks have we gone? How many miles? Oh, it's been a few miles. So if it's only that one Burger King, how many jobs are available? And when you come into our communities, you know, a lot of the Arabs own the corner stores or, you know, the Latinos own the corner stores or 
or Asians own the corner stores, whether it's the hair place, you know, where you can go and get your weave or, you know, uh, get your fish and your chicken and the little grocery stores, bodegas, what have you. And I say, and and they don't employ the people that live in the neighborhood. And I'm like, you find all the liquor stores, the currency exchanges, you know, car wash, laundromats. How many of those are owned by black people? And if they are owned by black people, more than likely they're employing their, their family. How many jobs are available to the people that live there? And so, you know, when I was trying to explain, you know, not only to her but, you know, different people as time has gone on is that when you have poverty, you will have crime. It works hand in hand. And when you have people who feel as though they have no hope for a future, that they have no future, that they won't have access to education, they won't have access to a job, you know, a number of things. You know, it breeds a hopelessness. And then when you go into these cities that are being gentrified, they're pushing, you know, the working class and poor people out to the suburbs, then they cut off the bus service, you know, these companies, these blue-collar manufacturing jobs that used to be ample, you know, they are relocating and leaving so the jobs aren't there anymore. And, you know, white people want to move back into the city because of the convenience of the cities. You know, all of that plays hand in hand. And this is why, you know, we need to pay attention. But for those of you that are thinking, you know, a little bit beyond, you know, if you're willing just kind of to venture out there with me just a little bit more, you know, in regards to the Brexit, you know, vote, huh, you know, sitting back thinking about it, reading some think pieces, and just kind of looking at it from a different perspective. Is this or is this not the beginning of the end of capitalism? It's something that I've been contemplating, you know, in regards to this Brexit, you know, vote, and what can possibly happen in this country, you know, in November when we go to vote. And so, you know, for many people, they see Brexit as good news because, again, you know, this is going to, you know, have a major effect on the powers that be. And so, again, look at it about how these countries, you know, particularly Britain and America, how they benefited from slavery and colonialism. And, you know, it's interesting because I remember Barack Obama gave a talk and he basically was telling black people that we could no longer blame not having certain types of advantages. We can no longer blame it on colonialism. And I have to go back and find that. But, you know, this is the beginning, which is why you have some of us sitting back and watching this and trying to figure out, you know, this the beginning of the end of capitalism as we know it, you know, the laissez-faire capitalism. So, you know, this this should be interesting. You all keep an eye out on it, 
and pay attention to, you know, what's really going on and um, understand, you know, about David Cameron, the, you know, prime minister of England. And um, what's interesting is London has its first Muslim mayor. So, you know, that's part of the fear, not only in Great Britain and America, but, you know, the demographics are changing, and they're changing at a record pace. And people weren't ready for it, namely white people. They didn't realize this was happening. Well, they realized it. They just didn't know it would happen as quickly as it did. But, you know, sit back, pay attention. But, you know, the thing is, is that what makes it so difficult, especially here in America, you know, whether Donald Trump wins or not, we're going to have to deal with some of the backlash. And being a person of color who has to navigate, you know, these, you know, uh, white worlds, if you will, and what I mean by that is, you know, we have to do business, we have to go into some of these neighborhoods, deal with different people, and if you have people out here spitting and trying to beat and doing and harassing and, and just being totally ignorant to people of color, I believe it's only going to get worse. And so, you know, while it may be interesting on one hand, on the other hand, it's very dark and scary as to what may be coming our way. So this is why I'm telling people to be vigilant about where you are, who's around you, what's happening. Um, yeah, you know, damn given the benefit of the doubt. Can't afford to do that anymore. And so, yeah, you know, this, this is going to be really interesting um, how all of this plays out. But, yeah, is this, is this possibly the end of white, of capitalism, you know? And because, you know, like I said, just it's amazing, you know, and even Al Jazeera is reporting, you know, the rise of, you know, racist abuse, you know, happening in London and or Great Britain. And we've already seen some of that now. You may not see it on the news. Again, you got to expand, you know, your reading materials, you know, and what's happening. Hell, I'm wondering if, you know, what they're calling that situation with a 12-year-old young woman whose three white male classmates put the noose around her neck and she had neck burns. Something tells me they're not calling that domestic terrorism either because they're trying to cover it up and hush her mother and their lawyer up claiming that, you know, that, that it was just child's play. And so just pay attention to what's happening now. Because like I said, Donald Trump, his White Lives Matter movement, you know, what they're doing now is they're heralding whiteness as victimhood. And what's so interesting is is that you have some white people out here that, you know, want to say that black people, um, you know, just basically – you know, hold on to victimhood, that we embrace it, and it's like a cult or sect or what have you. And that's not necessarily the truth. You know, if you're the victim of, you know, hundreds of years of oppression 
and everything, every obstacle that can be found put in your way so that you cannot succeed. And even if they leveled the playing field, it would cost this country less money to make, you know, find parity across the board because you have some white people who do not feel that people of color deserve anything other than the scraps. They will not change. They will not work toward, you know, wealth parity. You know, again, if anyone is claiming victimhood, is is white people. You know, claiming whiteness as victimhood. Pay attention. You know, because what's happening is, you know, white people think that, the you know, if the odds are stacked against them, and that you know the privileges that they once enjoyed and entitlements, they're not as plenty as they used to be, and they're scapegoating people of color and immigrants. They're scapegoating these people. And it's so funny because, again, you know, Britain has gone all over the world, you know, colonizing everything and everybody. And even in America, you know, even when the slaves were emancipated, you need to go back and read the history. You know, they were bringing in Chinese people, you know, they were bringing in, you know, Mexicans and a number of other people to work the fields and all of these. And and you bring people in. And then you want to complain about them being here. How does that work? And the biggest problem that I see with white people, you know, the biggest problem with that they may have with black folks is that they're not, you know, they are profiting from us, believe that, but they're not profiting as much as they used to. You know, ever since we decided that we weren't going to work for free anymore, we were deemed as lazy. And so, yeah, go out there, you know, look up whiteness as victimhood because it's a lot of that happening. And what's happening is there's now a restructuring of that hierarchy, of that whiteness hierarchy, and it is going to be painful for them. And so, you know, you got to understand, you got to pay attention. You got to pay attention. And just like Brexit was successful due to the, you know, the anger and rage of working class and poor whites over in Great Britain, you know, Donald Trump is riding that same wave in America. And we need to be careful about what's happening and what we allow it, you know, because if we allow whiteness to be, you know, victimhood, it's going to create, you know, even more um, insidious situations. So pay attention, pay attention. You know, you got to pay attention. So, yeah, you know, identity politics rears its ugly head again. You know, again, the Islamophobia, you know, Muslim kids can't even go to the swimming pool now, you know, and it's just, it's crazy. And, you know, these racist and xenophobic attacks are only going to increase. It's going to increase. People getting harassed. So, again, you know, even with this whiteness victimhood, 
you know, this is their way of absolving themselves of any accountability and any responsibility. And so, again, you know, we talked about performative art, you know, performative outrage. So, anyway, look it up, look it up, look it up, you know. So, yeah, for those of you out there that, you know, consider yourselves allies, I understand. But, you know, you cannot use that identity or that cloak of ally to ward off, you know, any challenges or critiques of perceived biases that you may have. Oh, I can't be racist. I'm a, I'm an ally to the black community. But I still don't want black people moving, you know, into my little complex over here, my little suburban enclaves. So this, think about it, think about it, pay attention, keep your eyes open because, you know, we are in for a bumpy ride. And, you know, the thing is, is that there is nothing wrong with having allies, but we need to work together because it's not just, you know, people of color whose future is uncertain. Same thing holds for, you know, white people. Again, that's a part of that fear. And, you know, we're only at the beginning stages of this. So, again, (laughs) pay attention. It's amazing. So, you know, I've done a lot of talking today. You know, there's a few other things I probably could bring up. But no, I think I'm going to sit back, enjoy some more sweet tea. I bought some corned beef and cabbage, and I'm getting ready to turn the stove on. No, more than likely, I'm going to get out and go get something to eat and bring it back. But, um, yeah, pay attention. you got to start looking at these things from a number of different perspectives. So this whole Brexit remain thing here, you know, start looking at it as the possible, possible disintegration of capitalism. And um, definitely, you know, possible hiccup in white supremacy because I don't think they understood what they did when they decided to leave the EU. And so the older people in Great Britain, they're just, they're just as disenfranchised as the ones here in America. And so, you know, that's what's so interesting about it because it's the older white Americans and older white Britons that, you know, are saying that they want their countries back. And you have the young people out here fighting, saying that, no, you know, they already feel betrayed. I mean, that is what prompted Occupy Wall Street. And so, yeah, you know, this is shake-up and white supremacy, a shake-up in capitalism. We'll see. This is just the beginning. You know, I'm not preaching. So, you know, keep your eyes open, pay attention, not quite sure what's going to happen. But, you know, rest assured that 
you know, is going to have some, you know, effect on you eventually. So, yeah, it's amazing. So, yeah, look up Brexit, and I'm just, you know, and I'm laughing because they got people signing petitions, you know, basically to invalidate that vote. But, you know, a lot of people don't understand that the parliament has to, you know, pass it. And basically it was put out there to vote, you know, as basically calling the people's bluff. And David Cameron lost that fight. So, yeah, this is going to be, you know, interesting. Interesting. So for those of you that do not read right-wing magazines, you probably should. You probably, you know, um, should go out and read some of that and see what they're talking about. It's important that you understand. You may not like it, but it's important that you read it and see what they're talking about because it will affect you. you got to remember you know, a lot of these people collectively have a lot of power. And we've already been shown that they, you know, they're not going to listen to us. They don't believe what's coming out of our mouths, especially when we talk about our pay and, you know, how we're being oppressed. They don't believe it. But when they're a part of any type of marginalized group, and then they they tend to frown on that oppression, but frown on it because it's affecting them. They don't care about the other people that are being affected by that particular oppression. So anyway, like I said, sit back, watch the fireworks, because, you know, I'm sitting back laughing my ass off. So in between of... In between eating a nice, non-nutritious meal, drinking sweet tea, you got to use the oxygen mask because uh, I'm just laughing and laughing and laughing. Like I said, you got exactly what the hell you deserved, and I'm just laughing because some of the very same people who are defending you know, the behavior of some of these folks. Now you want to complain about it? Now you want to champion, you know, civil rights? Now you want to champion social justice? Now you want to champion, you know, you know, economic injustice or economic justice, wealth parity, whatever you may want to call it, you know, um, yeah. Good luck with that, especially when you don't read. So, anyway, you know, that was a lot to talk about today. You know, and so I hope that you all, you know, were able to walk away with some information, a better understanding about things. But most importantly, I'm hoping that you walk away with a desire to research, you know, what. I talked about what I discussed on the show today. We have an incredible archive, well over 300 archived shows. You can catch us on iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, 
and I think I'm going to go ahead and put us on a few more places. But, again, you know, we have all of this, you know, taking place, and it's important for you guys to know this for yourself. Know these things for yourself. Trust but verify. Trust but verify. So it's a lot of information. You know, we got about 12 minutes left. If you want to call in, the number is 310-982-4273. Again, that's 310-982-4273. If you want to talk, press 1. But, you know, I hit on a lot of different things today, and so I'm going down my list looking at what I wrote for the show notes about what I want to talk about. Yeah, I didn't really get into that whoopee thing as hard as I wanted to because, you know, I'm going to post that video. And the young woman, you know, she said it all. She said it all because, you know, when everybody was dogging whoopee out, who was in her corner? Black people. Even right now, if they put, you know, Whoopi out to pasture, who will be there to support her? We will. Why? Because that's our nature. And so, you know, again, Whoopi just needs to do a little bit more reading. But, again, I mean, Whoopi is like a lot of other people, you know, people, everyday people that we know. They will say whatever they need to say to keep their perceived power or perceived position or perceived authority. And so Whoopi knows what she needs to say, not to anger, you know, her sponsors and the powers that be. And some of the stuff she says, I truly think she believes it. And so you know, not making any excuses for her or anyone else because, you know, when you get called out, you get called out. Some people don't like being called out. You know, but what's so funny, you got some people out there who feel that they should be able to call folks out, but you can't call them back out. You know, you got that type of shit going on. Yeah, I can talk about you and hurt you, but don't you say anything about me. You know, you got people like that. But, um, yeah, I'm going to post that video because, you know, the young woman just really laid it out. It was the first time I had seen any of her videos, and I need to subscribe because, and she's out of Chicago, I believe. And so what's so interesting about it is that, you know, I have to give credit when it's due. You know, she read Whoopi for points. So, you know, there's nothing really much more I can add to that up that I still like Whoopi. You know, I love her acting. You know, I've been supportive of her ever since I discovered who she was. And I had a tape, and I still have that cassette tape. Like I said, I got so much stuff in boxes, it's unreal. But she had out a comedy tape, and it was called Why Am I Straight? And so she was talking about, you know, uh, when she was abusing drugs and alcohol and all of that, And, you know, when she stopped using and became fully lucid to what was going on around her, 
and she was seeing all the madness that was taking place, you know, she was like, well, why am I straight? You know, you know, why am I, you know, you know, now seeing and being a part of this. And I guess, you know, having that extra push or what have you that you would get from drugs and alcohol, it helps you kind of not pay attention or absorb a lot of the shit that's happening and going on out here. I don't know. You know, I've never been, you know, I've never used drugs or alcohol. You know, I've had a few drinks in my life, and I think I've been drunk two or maybe three times, but I was never a drinker, and I never did illegal drugs or anything. I tried a joint once, but it didn't do anything, so I called it off as a waste of time, gave it all away. You know, so, you know, I can't even begin to talk about addiction from a personal person in regards to drugs and alcohol. There are other types of addictions. And so, um, yeah, and so just, you know, addiction, you know, it's a disease. It's definitely a disease. And so, like I said, I was Ubering all over the place. And so I was sitting there, and I had this one Puerto Rican Uber driver and girls, he was hot. He was hot. I had to give credit when it's due. That was a good-looking young man. And so we're sitting there, and we were just talking and enjoying ourselves, the conversation. And we talked about what was happening in America in regards to the, quote, unquote, war on drugs. You know, when it was black and brown people out here getting addicted to crack and cocaine and heroin, And it was pretty much, you know, at least the perception was that it was, you know, the minorities, the people of color who were using all the drugs. So they wanted to be tough on crime, tough on drugs. If you were a drug addict, they were throwing you in jail as opposed to giving you rehabilitation and counseling and trying to figure out what the problem was. But now that the truth is coming out that white people abuse alcohol and drugs more than black people, and especially with this methamphetamine, you know, and a crocodile and all of that, you know, it is definitely in the white neighborhoods and, you know, is being abused. And now they want to have a softer approach on drugs and certain crimes. Why? Because, you know, it's out in the open. It's beginning to affect more white people than people of color. Now, ain't that some shit? And so he and I, we were talking about this, and like I said, I am so proud of these young people because they're looking, they're paying attention, and they're asking questions, which is a lot more than I can say for a lot of the older people out here. You know, and again, it's about, you know, getting celebrity or getting money for a lot of these people. And they don't give a shit about you. They don't give a shit about me. Hell, to be honest with you, I I question if they give a shit about anybody other than themselves. And so, again, sitting back, looking at what's happening on one hand is, you know, I'm looking at it in horror, you know, but on the other hand, I'm looking at some of this shit and laughing my ass off. We told you this was happening. We told you it was going to get worse, and that's what's happening there. And like I said, in a lot of these different communities, 
They're scapegoating people of color. They're scapegoating, you know, feminists. They're scapegoating activists, protesters, organizers, you know, regardless of your ethnicity, your race, you know, nationality, etc. Pay attention. Pay attention to the language. I'm going to end this the way that I started it. Pay attention to the language and the vocabulary that they're using. They're changing it up. You need to get yourselves familiar with the new ordinances and laws that are being put into effect, that are being passed, and that are being implemented. Educate yourselves. And then you take that information and you educate others. That is your job. And I'm not saying you're obligated. I'm not saying it's your responsibility. I'm not saying any of that. But what I am saying is, you know, if you're listening to this show and you're getting information and it's helping you, and, again, you know, like I said, there's no money being made from this. I do this because I enjoy it, you know, and I'm, you know, I've never asked you guys for money or anything because, you know, that's that's not where it is for me. What I do ask you all to do is to go and research, get an understanding for yourself, and I ask you to share. Share that information with other people. You know, I ask you all to show a little bit more compassion and kindness to one another, you know, to yourselves. All of that. That's important. You got to be good to yourself. And then also understand that there are some people who do not deserve, you know, your compassion or your understanding. That's that's okay. It happens. You know, you're not going to like everybody. You're not going to agree with everybody. And that's fine. You know, it really is. But at the end of the day, you are not here to be someone's doormat. You are not here to let people walk all over you. You're not here for any of that. And if you have people compelling you and telling you, oh, don't say anything or ignore it, and it gets progressively abusive, those people aren't your friends. Understand that. And if they get angry because you decided to fight back, you need to ask why. You know, you're not necessarily put here to take one for the team. That's not your job. So don't let these people work you like you're a damn donkey. Don't let them intimidate you. Don't let them coerce you. Do not let them, you know, badger you. You don't have to take that shit. And for those that are out there that have been there, done that, you know, definitely. If I see any GoFundMes for um, some of the nonsense that I'm seeing, I'm going to send you some money. Why? Not necessarily because I agree with what you said or with what you did. The only reason why I'm going to give it is because I dislike them more than I dislike what you did. All right. You all take it easy. Have a good Sunday. Take care. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.